Okay, welcome back to the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. Uh, now as we enter our fourth year. Uh, this week, we, you'll, you'll need a stiff upper lip um, as we'll be taking a trip to Blighty. Uh, joining me on this uh, on this trip uh, on a steam train is comics scholar and fan, Mr. Richard, the Don Sheaf. How you doing, dude? I'm all right. How are you, Tony? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, always here to pull the ACP bacon out of the proverbial fire is Tommy. Tommy Guns Curry. Uh, how you doing, Tom? You right? I'm good, thank you, Tony. How are you? How are you? How are you in the Th- Thank you for asking. I'm very well. It's very I'm good, please, sir. How are you, Richard? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. good. Uh, enjoying reading uh, intensively uh, this book uh, over, or, uh, over the last couple of days. So, uh, yeah. And, and it's, the only, it's the only way to read it, I think, isn't it? Is that the I'm going I'm to say that. Oh, I mean, absolutely. This is um, any sort of uh, allusions to like reading an hour before this recording went out the window very quickly. <laughs> Good. Well, let's not muck about because we've got plenty to talk about with this one. I'm sure. Is um, Tom? Would you like? Would you mind letting the listener know what the series is we're going to be discussing? Yep. Uh, the series is Blake and Mortimer. Thank you. And Rich, would you mind just letting us let the listener into what uh, which particular volume we're going to be talking about? Uh, so we're we're going to read uh, a volume that's called the Yellow M, M for Mother. Uh, so available uh, from Cine Book, uh, yep. number one uh, in their in their uh, reprint series of I think they're up to volume thirty or volume thirty is coming out uh, this year. So yeah, so uh, volume one in their series uh, or volume six in an earlier series published in the late nineteen eighties. Uh, but the the Cine Book series uh, much easier to get hold of. Uh, slightly better translation, spelling, uh, okay. Uh, okay. All, that, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, as the uh, collector of obscure uh, <laughs> country, I'm, I'd really like a full set of the half a dozen volumes that came out in the late 80s, but it's proving quite hard work, if I'm honest. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I saw this. We had a little chat about this beforehand, didn't we? But I, I was... Um... You, you reckon this came in about 84, something like that? 86, was it the original think, translation? I, yeah, I've got volume of the original translations. I've got three of the six. Uh, and so the Yellow M is volume six. And that's it's got January 1988 written on it as the publication date. Right. So and let's assume that the others came out in you know, 86, 87, something like that. Um mm-hmm. But like I say, they're, they're very hard to come by now, partly because you know there are lots, lots of volumes, of, you know, cine book reprints, so that rather crowds out the market. Uh, but I, I don't think they can have been a you know a huge success, which is the other reason they're very hard to find. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting that obviously this series with cine books, and this one was two thousand and seven. Is that right? Um, clearly, it's doing quite well throughout to volume thirty. Yeah, and I think they've reprinted this particular one about six times, haven't they? As I understand it. Okay, I mean. Well, it's one of the, one of the classic volumes, uh, but it's not. Although it's you know, it's volume one as far as Cinebook are concerned, it's not volume one in the series. Yeah, you know, when it was published in France, it's actually the sixth volume. So the original nineteen eighties reprints published the first six volumes in the correct sort of chronological order. The Cinebook order jumps all over the place. Um, I mean, the early volumes uh, of Blake and Mortimer are all are written and illustrated by Edgar Jacobs. Uh, but later volumes, other people get involved when when he dies. Uh, but yeah, for Cinebook, I think they published like volume the original volume six, then volume four, volume five, and then they shoot up to volume thirteen. Oh, uh, I didn't realise that. That's quite oh. a jump. Now, for those um, for those that might listen to this and fancy getting one, the they are kind of one off books, but there are character strands from other books and we won't get totally into it but you can enjoy this on its own in fact this is the only book in the series i've read and i still enjoyed it but there are other things that appeared is that right rich yeah yeah it's definitely it is slightly i mean it is slightly odd having this which like i say is the sixth volume first because there are things in it that you're supposed to go aha yeah recognize that yeah yeah, yes very much so (laughs) yes yeah yeah yeah, the lead characters it says it says something like you know like about page two when you're introducing the characters like Here's our familiar figure. And you think, 
<laughs> we've never seen this person before. He happens to be, you know, Blake or Mortimer, but you know, but we've never seen him before. Yeah, so, I, I really um, like that from a because obviously I, this is the first one. I, this is one of the first one I picked up and like reading it. I read about three years ago. Yeah, and I like that kind of. And I'm going to say a line from yourself, Tony. Like you like watching Coronation Street, right? Hmm. Like it's if the story is confident in saying, "Hey, his 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 character in that form," going like, "Okay, well, this is uh, this is an important character. I'll work it out as I go along." I didn't need the handholding of his age, sex, location. You know what I mean? Like I was quite happy just carry on. <laughs> That's just... a, it's very two thousand and one internet, but yeah, I completely get what you mean there, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I think part of this, I mean, I know Rich, you are the premier UK comics detective, but it does sort of allow us to be like detectives, doesn't it? When we pick up a book that's almost mid-run, which is this confusingly is and isn't, you know, yes. I'm going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's definitely like, if you the the initial volume one, two, and three, which are a series called The Secret of the Swordfish, I would say artistically are not as good as this. So you know, that's as interesting. I, I think this is a you know it for the publisher you know it's a good place to start because you know jacobs is more confident in his art um and so yeah so this is you know this is a better book in that sense so, yeah i get I that and i wondered if that was the reason i sort of scanned through some other things and that is comparable to two other series we're going to compare it to a bit later as well i think where it sometimes takes artists to find their feet a little bit doesn't it you know yeah. with what they're doing rich before we begin i think possibly it might be best if you can just give us like a two or three line summary of what this book's about if you wouldn't mind uh, yeah, so this is, I was going to read off the back of the book yeah. here. Uh, so this is all about uh, the incredible exploits of the Yellow Mark. Spectacular actions of this mysterious criminal are on the increase, holding up the Bank of England, robbing the Imperial Crown. No one seems able to stop him. He is so audacious that he lets the police know in advance where he will commit his crimes, each time, each time ridiculing Scotland Yard a little more. The apparent ease with which he evades police schemes begins to worry the highest authorities of the country. Home Office asked Captain Francis Blake to solve the mystery and to discover the identity of the man who hides behind the yellow mask. The captain immediately takes his partner, his old friend, Professor Philip Mortimer, whose scientific knowledge will be invaluable in solving this extremely complex enigma. Who hides behind the yellow mark? Dun, dun, dun. Here's, uh, a, no. here's a question. Who's <laughs> the main character of this book? It does jump about, as I understand it, as the series progresses. In some, it's um, Mortimer, and some, some it's Blake, yeah, isn't it? I think. I think even here they've got pretty equal billing. They what? Sorry, mate. What? They've got pretty equal billing. Yeah, I think in this one they have. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. agree with you on that one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> so, for those that don't know, this is set in a very sort of post-war. Well, for a a a, a create a, a book that's been created by a Belgian, it's it's London post-war london um it's very in line with the you know the sort of ripping yarns that we know of the time like bulldog Br Br uh, bulldog drummond um the books by erskine child childers riddle of the sands for example john buchan i'm going to say is another comparison and mm -hmm. also in a strange sort of way um the more contemporary movies of sherlock holmes when basil rathbone jumped forward to sort of wartime england didn't he um you get a bit of that in there um so it's yeah, very it's sort of watto stiff upper lip um glass of port kind of feeling to it am i right is that is that is, is that how I you think, yeah yeah i think that's perfectly very frank i mean for me it was uh, there was a radio series called dick barton that yes to, yeah used to be on radio 4 pretty regularly and I, that was one of the key you know when i was reading this i was like oh that it feels like dick barton frankly so yeah, yeah no, absolutely totally yeah good so let's let's do our usual questions so the ones that we let, let's try and place ourselves in our own lifetimes continuity and reading habits is rich when did you first discover this series of books uh i'm gonna say probably early to mid 2000s probably when cine book okay i started bringing them out uh and i was sort of you know i was sort of you know i could see the cine book were publishing you know a lot of stuff you know and i wanted to get into some of it and i um and i think somebody you know, probably just gave me the first one and I was like, yeah, okay, you know, this sort of fits my, you know, uh, interest in uh, all things sort of 1950s comics, you know, I love, love, uh, love those stories, the RAF captains, people smoking pipe, <laughs> the you know, you get the feeling, you know, Dan Dare could be happening slightly off to one side in the story. Yeah, that's uh, how I envisage your home life, just so we're clear. <laughs> Very similar to either of these two characters, yeah. Um so yeah, and I think I was saying earlier, you know, back in the day, Sydney books, you know, they would they would go to shows and they sort of do two for one or yeah, you know, 
friend and he he was going and he he just said, look, they're doing two for ones. You know, do you want me to get some? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, get me some. And then I went up to see him and he lived in Edinburgh at the time. And he went, here you go. And he gave me like 12 volumes of Blake and Mortimer. Uh, <laughs> and, and, he, and he sold me a load of other, you know, really big chunky books. And I've never had, you know, one of those sort of small rucksacks you can take on a plane that was absolutely <laughs> bursting at the seams. <laughs> and I, I, like the last person on this easy jet fly. And I was like, I, I could hardly move because this rucksack was so heavy. And I was just like thinking, I'm going to get on this plane in a minute and have to casually just move everybody's rucksack from the overhead lockers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the worst thing about it. Ain't that bad about EasyJet? Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but luckily I found this space. I was like, oh, thank God, I can put the world's heaviest bag in there. And, I, you know, and so then I just probably just spent the time flying back from Edinburgh to London reading uh, Blake and Mortimer books. <laughs> um, what about you, Tom? Uh, so it was 2017. Uh, right. And the, the other podcast had just done the first European comics episode. So oh, I right. down to okay. my, I, so I think it was like episode 105, 107 maybe. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I popped down to my local comic shop, which is Celsius in Bristol. And um, I saw looking through this, they had like a rack of small press stuff, which included some cine books and it had Blake and Mortimer there. I, right. I'll be honest with you, I went there looking for uh, Valerian, uh, <laughs> but uh, they all, they all, while they were ordering that in for me, I picked up like one, two and three of this. Oh, cool. Oh, nice um, work. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of that's how I, I saw it there. It looked interesting. It looked it was um, I'd never heard of it before. You right. know, so I knew the other two, the other two big two, BD books. Uh, but yeah, no, this was uh, yeah, brand new to me, and I thought let's just give it a go. That's interesting, and I was only spurred on to do it because I know you talked about it on a more maybe maybe a couple of months ago on the ACP, you on the Awesome Comics podcast, you came on and chatted about it. Um, when we did a sort of post Angoulême, let's talk about European yes. comics kind of episode, and you talked about it, and then almost immediately I got an email from, I got a message from Rich saying, "Right, we need to talk about this on the NIA." <laughs> <clears throat> and I thought oh, a perfect opportunity, so I sent away for it, and I'm all th- I thought it'd be good if all three of us chatted about it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'm going to I'm going to posit this theory that um, having, uh, and I, I base this on the fact that having been to Angoulême earlier this year. It, there's, there's, oh, I call them the, the steps from hell. There's because Angoulême's like. Have you been there, Rich? By the way, have you been to Angoulême? No, no, I, I, I've never been. I, I'd like to go. Yeah, man, I think you'd love it. But the, do you speak French, by the way? Do you read French? Uh, no, no, no. I'd, I'd be like, you know, I'd be buying books, you know, just to look at the the pictures and just to stroke the books gently. You know, <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly what I do. Yeah. Although by the time next year rolls around, there'll be an app on our phones. We can just hold it oh. over the page, won't there? You know, there's going to be. Um, <clears throat> But the um, there's this these terrible steps. Everyone stays in the sort of lower town, and then it's because it's a fort town. You have to walk up these terrible steps. You know, it's like four hundred steps to get to the top of it. And um, when you get to the top of the steps, there's a big mural on a wall, and it contains. I'm going to say the what I'm calling the big three. So, Hergé and Asterisk. I, I kind of think are drawn for number one. I know we've talked about Asterisk before, Rich, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and I would I would put Blake and Mortimer as from my experiences at that sort of festival and in sort of French bookshops and stuff as the third one with a possible contender being Spirou, um, okay. which is more of a kids comic than an all ages comic, which I think I'd think that Blake and Mortimer is. But it's it's very beloved in France and Belgium, isn't it? You know. You think? Yeah, I've got uh, my my brother-in-law. He used to work in Paris uh, for a while, and when he left. Uh, his colleagues, they gave him like a like an Edgar, Edgar Jacob sort of, you know, sort of modern reproduction, you know, sort of sketchbook of Blake oh, and Mortimer. Okay. Oh, nice. He's not at all. Uh, this is completely wasted on in this present, but presumably they thought, oh, but it's, you know, these English guys, you know, you'll, you'll love this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he smiled sweetly and said, thank you very much, and put it in his, you know, bag and has never looked at it since. But when I discovered it, I was like, where did you get this? This looks really good. And, oh, I'm got it from some well obviously you would get it from some french people because they go well this is brilliant you'll love it <laughs> yeah yeah and in fact the the cover of the lom um which i think was the one we've all got has got the two sort of standing in front of the um the titular m on the wall um yeah. that stance that they've got there um one with his fist in the air the other one like about to pull something out of his pocket is the kind of the stance you see on a lot of sort of flyers and mm-hmm. um, history books is it's the and and is often used as almost like a corner box for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I can see that. I think the other one I've seen quite regularly is um, one of them sort of like pointing to the sky. Yes, I know the one. So, yeah. Yes, yes, is that yeah? 
yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. So they're very mm-hmm. iconic in France and Belgium, you know. They've they they but they just don't seem to be something that translated over here as warm, you know, weren't accepted as warmly as as Asterix and Hergé uh, and Tintin mm. rather. Um, but this is this is definitely to me a little f- further behind, but kind of the third person, the third you know, collection. I, I agree with that. Um, there is a. Do you think part of that is due to how these books are written? And I'm trying to. Yeah, that was where I was going to... with that man. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, going yeah, to ask yeah, you yeah. about this. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, no, no, you're not. No, no. Perfect. The what do you? I mean, do you? Bear in mind, you're the youngest amongst us, apart from me, Tom. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, how did you find them? How did you find? Do you find them dated at all? Uh, yes, but not in a not in a way that was an issue. Right. Sense. In the same way that, um, like watching, um, God, like watching an old Doctor Who or watching a like an older piece of media. Right. It it was it's obviously of, of its time and it's incredibly, it's it's quite a, it's quite a full book. Uh, but I had no problem reading it or understanding it or even like getting what was go- you know guessing the message was trying to sell. Yeah, like maybe watching the Dan Busters or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's still it's perfect. Still, still, yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Sound. Absolutely what? spot on. What what about? I, mean, I know you're a fan of this sort of era of right, you know, the Eagle and all that sort of thing, Rich. Yeah. Can you see it for what it is? Do you think it's dated, or do you, does it just read as just just you know an, an, the next book on the shelf for you? Or um, I mean, I think you know, in terms of you know, some of it is very densely written. You know, in terms, I mean, and you know, I've heard you talk on the ACP about you know, you know, it's, you know if you want to write a comic, you know, it's good. You know, if you can practice being a letterer, because then you'll you'll work out how many words you can get in a speech balloon. Right, and then we, and then write a comic. You'll think, oh yeah, but you can only get, you can only get twenty words in a speech balloon. Therefore, I have to really, you know, to really hack at this because I can only get twenty words for each yeah. character to say. You know, and that's a good discipline. And I know, you know, you read a lot more Marvel and DC the, than we do, and it can take you five minutes to read a comic. And that's not because you're reading it really fast. It's you there's, know, not much, there's not many words. Yeah, there's not. Mm. Words. You know, so we're real. I think you know. We're, now we're at this real one end of the spectrum of you know. There's almost nothing. To read you know there's very few words and this sits at the other end of the spectrum um where you know this will take you you know you can't just think oh i just i've got an hour i'll just read yeah. this six pages you know it's like no 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 hang on <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on there's a lot being explained a lot of the time uh and you know and you know and that's and that's fine uh i think you know i think i you know i know we've swapped some images uh on the whatsapp before <laughs> so, you know i think you found the- you found the panel with the most words in i've ever <laughs> mm. seen in my life yeah, yeah, and it's not like a really big. It's not like a really big panel. It's like no, that's okay, that size panel. But it's just you know, it's like I don't know, two hundred. It looks like it's about two hundred words. Yeah, it does. Like, you know? Yeah, like yeah. an essay. A, a, a yeah. part of an essay in in this panel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll see. Really so go on, Tom. No, no, please, please go on, go on, go on. No, no, I was just saying. I think you know, and I think again, we mentioned it beforehand that actually, you know, that to me, you know, actually highlights why you know. Asterix and Tintin sit sit above it because actually, you know, for them, you haven't got two hundred words in a panel. You know, it's actually that the genius is is the hacking, is the making it. You know, you've got yeah. twenty or thirty in a panel, and yet you're still moving the story forward, and you're bringing people with you, and and everybody knows what is going on. You know, this is, you know, th- this is yeah, why, why it's not quite in that absolute, you know world 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 class level uh, although you know we'll get onto Edgar Jacobs working with Hergé yeah um, well uh, definitely yeah I was just thinking of myself actually yeah, yeah. I mean it, one of the main complaints I because I went through something I, I did something you like to do Tom is I went through the Amazon reviews on this mm-hmm. and complaints <laughs> about exposition seems to be a regular complaint on there you know they do explain fucking everything don't they yeah. <laughs> they do they, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> They, uh, yeah, there's no. Yeah, you're, you're very clear what the story is. I, I was I was going to say one thing that's all struck me is I was this made my second or third read through of this. A lot of people have the same voice. Yeah. And yeah. like you, it's obviously so there are different obviously the different characters and they some but they had a lot of them speak exactly the same way from panel to panel, and you can read and be like, oh, is it, it, there's no changing in sentence structure or language use or anything at all. Sometimes you just go like, ah, oh, you know. Actually, there is, as Rich has quite eloquently put, like the hack of it is would a good edit. You know that would it help? It yeah. really help this along, frankly. I compared it to. Do you remember those Rupert annuals that would be a picture, and underneath would be like a like a little page of a book almost. You know, 
So there was no word balloons, but it was all written underneath it. I felt um, I felt on occasion it was a bit like that, you know. Or as I made a joke, there's one there's one panel that I think is Mortimer explaining something to Blake for literally about two hundred words, and 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 then Blake just says, "I see." <laughs> and you know, just, I've just got to that page. I've just opened that page. It reminds me of my life at home, gentlemen. I tell you that now. Um, I think good. what you said about them having a similar voice. I think that's it's probably also a function of the fact that all the characters are very similar. You know, it's definitely a product mm. of its age in terms of you know they're all you know middle class, upper class white men saving the empire you know there's not a big role in here for you know women or people of color or you know anything like that you know all the characters are very very are let's let's pick out a couple of the characters so let's let's talk a little bit about that and who we've got in it so captain francis blake is he is the sort of more military um uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. kind of character in this, um, head of MI5, um, obviously served, did a lot, you know, won a lot of medals in the war, the Second World War and stuff like that. And he's more of a, the sort of action character. Um, he's based on uh, Jacques Londe, who is, is also a comics artist and an old schoolmate of um, of Jacobs as well. Um, so he he's the sort of mustachio character. His sidekick is uh, Professor Philip Mortimer, um, who is... Um, Scottish. Um, he based him on his friend uh, Jacques van Melkebeck, who is also another Belgian comic artist who he met at art school. Um, now he has a little bit of a sort of extended cast around him because he's got a manservant called Nazir, who I'm going to say, um, where's I think there's a sort of empire because I know Nazir is, disappears yeah. later on in the later issues, doesn't he? I think there was a sort of conscious effort to move away from the British Empire feel of it, as I understand mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. um and he but he's a sort of act he's a, he's a aka lieutenant uh lieutenant nazir he he's a kind of almost like a, a a stand in for blake at times you know he has to sort of throw himself into action a bit i think mm -hmm. um and how and the classic housekeeper mrs benson who yes. um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah she could, be, she could be called mrs hudson in a, in a different genre exactly yeah <laughs> yeah very much so yeah um they have um it's hard to talk about this one isn't it because i don't want to spoil because it's a big mystery mm. isn't it this one um it's, it's, I, 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 yeah in terms of you know i'd read it you know ages and ages ago years and years ago and then when i was reading it again i was like you know i don't remember what the answer to this mystery is yeah and it is serious mm. and you know it does take a long time for it to be sort of uh <laughs> revealed you know precisely what is going on you know despite all the exposition um so I, yeah, I did find it mysterious. Like, oh, he's done that. Oh, you know, he has, you know, like it says in the back of the book, you know, he has taunted secret, uh, Scotland Yard, and he's done it again, and he's done it, and people keep getting kidnapped, and they can't stop it, and you know, they're very powerless for a long, long portion of this book, actually. Yeah, they are, and it it, it does keep you guessing because the 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 character, you know, the yellow M, the sort of hooded, he looks a bit like mm -hmm. the shadow, you know, with goggles on. Um, yeah, yeah, do you know, he reminds me of Lobster Johnson. Same. Yes, yeah, I get yeah. that with with a floppy hat on. Yeah, 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 definitely. The um, he he's seemingly bulletproof for a big chunk of it, um, mm -hmm. which is recreated very well in the. There's a cartoon that came many years mm -hmm. later that's recreated very well in the cartoon. Although the cartoon's sort of slightly old school animation, it comes across quite well in that. So you do does you do think well, how the fuck is he not getting shot? You know, yeah. how is he doing this and doing that and you know and. I don't want to spoil anything, but we—I was at a slight disadvantage by having read this as the first volume, because the mystery does involve you having pre-knowledge of the mm -hmm. series, doesn't it? Yes, yes. No, same here, frankly. When when those rules, you go, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. There's no, there's no big sort of. I can imagine it'd be more of a. Oh wow, it's it's this person. You go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they actually have you got to the volume where they return to him? Later on, and he's almost suffering PTSD because of what's happened to him in this issue. Rich, have you got to that one yet? Oh, uh, not recently, uh, no. but I've got, I've got quite a few of these uh, on my shelf, so it's, it'll be in the mix somewhere. But then, like I say, because these are the Cinebook reprints, they're yeah. not in order anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, I would have read this, and like you say, for the big reveal, because for the, most of us, it's the volume one. It's not such a big reveal, whereas. If you you know if you were reading them in numerical order, then it would be a <gasps> da, da, da. yes. I wouldn't expect, that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't that expect him back again. Yeah, exactly. That, that bit for us is completely 
okay, if you say it's that person, then it's that yep. person. Um, so that that's you know. But anyway, we've talked about you know why why you know it, you know this one is you know a reason one to start with in terms of art quality. Uh, but yeah. yeah, in terms of yeah, yeah. The, the big plot twist. It, it doesn't, you know, pack the punch that it would do if you were reading it. Uh, yeah, in- as I understand it, it's quite it's quite widely held to be one of the best ones in the early run, isn't it? You know, which I think yeah. I can see why they went with that. You know, yeah. as, as the first one, it's yeah. a nice one off as well. You don't have to buy two issues and stuff like that. No, no. no. Um, let's it, talk a little bit. Go on, mate. Sorry. I was going to say, ignoring that mystery. Oh, sorry, ignoring that plot twist. Yeah. Just with like a simple yes no, was it a satisfying mystery and conclusion? Yes, it was for me. I think it was, and I think that's what stopped it being at times slightly a drudge because you were having to read everything to work out the mystery put it sure. that way yeah what about um, you rich um yes although i found the thing about the book uh how they <laughs> rustled up the book mysteriously at the end annoying because i was like whoa, 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 hang on hang on the whole thing revolves around finding a copy of a book and then they just sort of go oh the only copy in existence in the british library has been stolen dang <laughs> and then they and then some of <laughs> says oh well we've had a look but, you know, almost, you know, oh, just sort of behind the sofa. And would you believe it? There was a copy there. And it's like, wait, 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 what? I think they painted themselves into a bit of a corner. Or Jacob's painted himself into too yeah. much of a corner. Yeah. We need a book, and yet there are no copies of this book. Ah, I'll just have to magic one up. Anyway, that that plot, uh, well, the opposite of plot twist is plot, you know, disaster area. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I did find it. Like I say, you do have to pay attention. You do have to read it, even though there is, you know, a lot to read. Um to yeah to work out what is going on because you i think hey hang on, hang on this geese is getting shot you know what what the hell is going on what, what yeah no he's not batman you know what is going on yeah and i have to say that whilst there is an awful lot of exposition and an awful lot of words you know which is sometimes it is a bit of a trek to get through um yeah. the there is some really exciting chase sequences in it aren't there mm. which i think work yeah. really well that's about 15 pages that that main chase <laughs> doesn't it you know? yeah <laughs> Some of the, the detailing. So they're having a for anyone who isn't reading along at home. Uh, they have this extended chase sequence uh, through L- Limehouse Docks. Right, uh, cool. Yes. Where MCM goes, is now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes. Through, you know, I wrote down there. Yeah, go, the chase sequence essentially goes from page thirty-six to page fifty. So it's about fifteen pages. It's only sixty-six pages in all, all in for this book. So it's about a quarter of the book is you know this chase sequence and that's uh, no short because these pages have got regularly got 10 panels a page you know it's not yeah. you know it's yeah. not it's not a sort of three panel a page book you know this is sort yeah. of 2000 ad you know bd album size so you know yeah no, just while you mention panels and just it's one thing that i really love about this volume so many different panel layouts okay interesting it's lovely right like yeah. it's gen- you, you sort of flip to page and every page has a different panel layout and it's not just a yeah there's no nine panel grids it's not just as you know I love Kirk and I love his, you know, his pages of panels. But like every single page has like a different combination of seven true, panels, man. and like, do you know what I mean? It's just really nice to see like a, a different and like the rule. There's no breakout panels either. They're all like contained. In, there's gutters as well, contained in the boxes. Yeah, yeah. Just a just a lovely little touch that I was all reading through, and I was like, and I, I knew where I was reading all the time. You know, like there was no. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it guides accuracy. the eye perfectly, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it really does. Just it's just it's a lovely little thing about this book. That I yeah, just really enjoyed, really enjoyed about his cartooning. Yeah, um, can I? I'm going to. We're going to talk a little bit about Jacobs in a minute. I just want to mention a couple of things around the dialogue. And I know we've ha- we've hackneyed on about um, we've, got, we've gone on about the, um, the, the the verbosity in it, but there are a couple that just made me laugh out loud. So the villain in it, who I won't ruin because he's one of four that you kind of see at the start. You think oh, it's got to be one of these four people. Um, the he he goes on this panel after panel after panel of ex, you know classic villain explaining you know why he hates the world and what he's doing. And um, and then <laughs> Mortimer goes, why? And then he says his name. You're completely mad. And that's his only <laughs> comment. And I think, that's fucking great. I love that. Yeah. And he, he's a bit like that, isn't it, Mortimer? He's kind of gruff and to the point a lot of the time. You know, he, just, mm-hmm. he doesn't fuck around. For a, for a sort of a scientist, he, he, he's quite happy to pull a gun out and stuff. But uh, And then the other, the other bit I wanted to mention was the last spoken words in the book are, God save the Queen. So how good is that? I love yep. that. Especially this is written by somebody from Belgium. You know. Yes. <laughs> Which I I don't know, I can't and we we kind of it's, it's kind of inbuilt for us all who've, you know, had French pen pals or, you know, exchange students or, you know, been to France. The France the French aren't that fond of us, let's face it. <laughs> you know, I know this is Belgian, but the uh to have the last line is God save the Queen, it did have did have me chuckling. And it's not even just said by one person, it's said by three people. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I think there's there's a couple of panels, and that's one of them where it does feel like a parody of uh, what they think the English are doing. Yeah. Every time time something goes well, oh, we'll just say God save the Queen, just to all kings, which is just, uh, you know. That was going to be my later questions, but I think I'll pose it now. To you guys, is this a satire? Are we that? Am I just being cynical? I don't know. I, I think it's a, it's using a caricature of a setting. Using a cliche, maybe, yeah. Using a maybe. cliche of a setting to set a story. I'm not sure if it's a satire, but I, it could just be like this is a really strong setting for it to be. It's a very easy, easy shorthand. They can, you know, he doesn't have to worry about drawing particular buildings. You can make everything a bit grey and grim. Yeah, and it sets it very easily. I'm not sure. If it, maybe that does make it a satire. I don't know. But I don't know. Is there, there's certainly a lashing of lashings of ginger beer kind of feel to it, isn't it? A sort of oh, jolly. What do you think, oh, Rich? Wow. You've gone a bit quiet there, man. I wonder what you thought. Um, I was uh, well. I was thinking. You know, Jacobs um, worked extensively uh, with, with Herge uh, on on Tintin, who was you know obviously you know Boy Scout detective. So actually, you know, this is you know, but then he falls out with with Herge, yeah. uh, uh, and that's the sort of. I think the late 1940s. I think they they fall out. Jacobs seeks sort of essentially co not not co creator status, but he wants he wanted you know, credit, he, didn't he, he? On it, yeah, he, he, he was, wanted credit. Yeah, it wouldn't be Hergé's adventures of Tintin. It would be Hergé and Jacobs' adventures of Tintin. That's the level he was working at. And on, you know, yeah. so this is just removed enough. You know, it's you know it's still a detective story, which you know as you sound you know uh, is his thing. Um, but it's you know obviously it's, you know it's these two sort of you know middle-aged guys rather than you know uh, a young um, Belgian boy scout running around. So oh, I, th- I think it's you know just fun. Do you think? Yeah, I think it's in, in keeping with you know with, with what he knows the sort of, again the sort of the multi-volume arc approach you know, which which um, Jacobs works on in some of the sort of the the absolute finest Tintin volumes, yeah. which which mm-hmm. without it. Would be very different, um, and you know, and he continues that multi-volume here with you know, Mystery of the Great Pyramid is two volumes, Secret of the Swordfish is three volumes. So, um, you know, he, he likes the you know the, these big long stories that you can really really get your teeth into, and um, so so yes, yeah, so I, I, I think I think it works uh, very well. Okay, cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about about himself, and then we'll we'll get in a bit. We'll talk a bit more about the Herge ups and downs. Let's call it. Um, so Edgar Peter Jacobs, born the thirtieth of March nineteen oh four in Brussels. He died in nineteen eighty seven. Went to the Royal Academy of Art in Brussels. A.K.A. Edgar Felix Pierre Jacobs. Um, as you said, Rich, he's only he only completed eleven of the Blake and Mortimer's. One was half completed, uh, half finished, and then that was later finished after he died. Um, he started off as, believe it or not, a baritone singer and wanted to be an opera singer. Mm-hmm. And he, he worked in the theatre. Um, and but he was uh, a talented artist and started with illustrations in a very popular magazine uh, called Bravo in Belgium, Brussels, uh, with a three hundred thousand circulation. Um, but then, interestingly, so you got to remember, this is wartime. Uh, Flash Gordon was banned by the Germans um, in World War II, and Jacobs was employed to finish the story to give readers a proper ending. So whilst they couldn't get the story in, he had to recreate an ending to it, which led him to make something called Le Ray on You, uh, the You Ray, which is if you seen have either of you seen any of it? I, no, I haven't. But it, look, it sounds uh, like... Many books have republic have reprinted it, but it's out of stock. Oh, oh no! no. Okay. Okay, okay, right. It it really does look like Flash Gordon. It's got that real golden age look to it, you know. Um, and as, as as now, there's two different versions of this story that I've read in separate places. Um, he, he basically lucks into meeting Herge. Now, if you read read one report, it says while working as a stage painter for an adaption of um, Cigars of the Pharaoh, a Tintin story. In the theatre, he met Hergé, and they became friends. But there's also a claim in another account I read that I think it's on the Lambeck website that claims they met through a mutual friend who is this um, aforementioned Jack Van Melkebeck. Um, and what happened was Hergé employed him to recolor and rework some of the already released Hergé comics. Um, so there, there were kind of the original Hergé and uh, Tintin, and then they were redrawn, or redrawn and certainly recolored. Um, and I'm going to say it's Tintin in the Congo, Tintin in America, and the Blue Lotus, and a couple of others. Is that is that right, Rich? I think I'm right on that, am I? Do you know? Yeah, the one. Yeah, they work on them, and they work on some of them. Um, 
during i mean what gets them into a lot of trouble is that they stay in belgium uh right you know during the war uh and you know i, I think you know Jay, um has that sort of you know is after the war is you know painted as a collaborator because he's you yes. know he's, he's paid yeah. and he carried on working uh some of the work he does with jacobs there is recoloring uh these strips for for, for you know the, the post-war period for sort of you know when happier times uh you know come around so they sort of building up a stock of material for when the germans aren't there but obviously they asked uh there and they work on the secret of the unicorn red rackham's treasure uh you know which many people would, would rate as as you know probably the the, the best tintin stories okay. and, and they also work on the seven crystal balls and prisoners of the sun which again so it's another sort of two volume uh epic yeah. uh again highly regarded you know incredible levels of, of detail because as i understand it um jacobs went from assisting on the color to assisting in the drawing of them as well is that right yes yeah 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 because yeah i think um some of those so like tintin in the congo is a is you know is a very early sort of uh well, it's probably early 30s is it um okay so you know which is which so appears originally drawn by um Hergé in le petit Vantiem, but then is redrawn um in you know into the sort of the classic album format that that we'd recognize and yeah jacobs works with him uh on those and uh, up to the point like i say that he seeks essentially that sort of co not co-creator but you know he wants that yeah. he, he wants filling he wants it mm. to be in, in jacobs and Hergé. Uh, and and Hergé's not having it, frankly. Yeah, he wouldn't. He was a let's call him a complicated character. I think Hergé wasn't he? I think from all the accounts <laughs> yeah. I've read. Um, now, they, but they were very much in each other's pockets. They were very much like you know big friends. And if you read some accounts, Jacobs um, appears in a volume. He actually has cameo roles in some Tintin stories. He's uh, Jacobini who, in the Calculus Affair, who's an opera singer, so playing on his sort of opera background. And um, there's also a suggestion I read, and I'm not sure how true this is. Um, uh, I can't for the life of me remember what it was, but I think it might be the Lambeck site that said that um, Jacobs was was part of the inspiration for Captain Haddock as well. Um, yeah, I read the same thing, frankly. Right, okay, interesting. Um, now... Um, Blake and Mortimer first appeared in Tintin. For those that don't know, Tintin, Tantan, was um, actually a sort of anthology magazine, not unlike something like 2000 AD uh, that ran for a long time in France. And Blake and Mortimer first appeared in that. So they were very much um, friends, collaborators, and business partners throughout this period. Um, as I understand it, they did have this falling out. But after a few years, the, the ice sort of melted a bit, as I understand, and they did become friendly again. Um but like I said, the minute ago, as I understand it, Herge wasn't an easy bloke to get along with, I think, um, on, on occasion. Um, he wrote an autobiography in 1973 called Une Opera de Papier, Le Memoirs de Blake and Mortimer, which I haven't found in English yet, um, or I'd love to read it if it was mm. translated. Um, he ran the Grand Prix of Saint-Michel in um, Belgium in 1971. Um, he was known as a perfectionist um, by all accounts, um, and he would research elements of his comics in, like intricate um detail um, which may explain the lack of releases for someone you know when you've got his contemporaries would perhaps be releasing a lot more albums than him and he only managed 11 and a half um but he was known for scrapping whole ideas and going back and restarting um as he was with pages i think um you can find some of his work occasionally it pops up on heritage and stuff like that the oa for his work uh, okay. obviously out of mine and yours reach tom but probably rich could manage it i think probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh good yeah a, a really interesting bloke rich i don't know if you've looked much into him but um he, he looks like um he looks like a character from his comics to me when you see a picture he, of him you know yeah he looks like a cross between blake and mortimer <laughs> he does yes <laughs> he does yeah yeah um yeah cool right guys what about any other little sections of it that you really liked um should we come to you rich first anything that you really um you, you wanted to highlight and say well i really enjoyed this section or that section or this panel or that panel you know uh well i think i you know we, we've talked about the, the you know the extended the chase. chase yeah uh, yeah so like you know some of that i mean you mentioned just there about the sort of the incredible sort of precision and detail you know which you would see in a like in a, in a tintin book as well you know uh 
uh, Urge, you know, he, he would go to actual places and draw actual buildings to go, right, this is supposed to be yeah. a lake house in Geneva. Right, we're off to Geneva this afternoon. <laughs> But, you know, back on Friday, you know, cancel the milk sort of thing, you know. And they would go <laughs> off and they would find, you know, you know, partly, I guess, you know, because he's got loads of money. So he's like, oh, of course we can go to Geneva for a few days just to draw, you know, a building. You know, they didn't have Google Image. He's like, right, well, I'm just going to look at this house. Yeah. So, you know, he had, you know, precision uh, and detail, which uh, certainly appears, uh, you know, in the dock scenes. You know, there's this whole sequence where there's a whole page, page 41 in the scene book where, you know, there's an enormous sort of, uh, crane uh, that, that this chase takes place on, you know. That's yeah. Incredible. Um, but it, but think back to one of the things uh, Tom mentioned about. See, in this in volume six, there aren't any large sort of splash pages, but in some of the earlier volumes, like the Great Pyramid, uh, Secret of the Swordfish, they've taken some of those splash pages, which, which I guess appeared in uh, you know the magazine when it was came out, and you do get these whole pages of these you know huge big. You know, single oh, page. interesting. Okay, they've gone by the time you get here, so maybe you know, it's just sort of maybe this wasn't serialized in in, in quite the same way. Um, yeah, and and which means that things like there's a there's a train crash, which I know we've talked about um, uh, off air before we came here, yeah. uh, which you know which, which you know which is very dramatic, uh, and you know it's a very uh, you know, two trains running into the the back of each other, um, but it occupies about. You know, twenty percent of the page. You know, it, you know, if it was the whole page, you know, you could well believe it because you know you'd want that, you know, very dramatic image. Oh man, so I'm not like, even saying a whole page these days. If this was an image book, that would be a whole issue of that fucking <laughs> train was, crashing. Yeah. Can I pick up on that? Of course, man. Okay, yeah. We obviously talked about how this is. I don't want to say ponderous, but it's quite a heavy book. It's got a lot of text in there. But that train sequence happens over two pages. It's twenty pounds, and a train is introduced and crashed within those two pages. Convincing, utterly convincing. Convincing, well. you know, yeah, and like, yeah. it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like, but the story is simultaneously slow and fast-paced at the same time. Yeah, like if you, if someone came to you with a pitch tone, it was like, hey, okay, over these two pages, we're going to get on this train, we're also going to crash it as well. You're like, hold on, let's give a bit of time here, right? Let's. let's and don't forget, you've got to get someone kidnapped in the middle of those that yeah. those two pages as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Convin- it's you know, like you know, should we get the trolley involved? Should we go to have to go to the toilet? Or like, no, no, we're just going to get the train in. We're going to have the threat set up. We're going to have them kidnapped. We're going to have the train crash. It's going to look convincing, but we're also going to put a ton of text in there as well. It's just, it's a, yeah, it's a really, it's a simultaneously slow and fast-paced comic, and it's really interesting. Yeah, I'll be honest with you guys. When I started reading this, I found it a chore. I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't. I think it was when I reached the train crash. I was then suddenly fucking in it. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. It is. It's a little bit when you're used to reading, you know, the average comic that comes out these days, mostly American comics. You're not used to this much text. You're not used to spending this much time on a page. But the I was I was finding it a bit of bit laborious, a bit of a chore, as I said. But when I got to the train page, I thought I was. I then it suddenly clicked. I thought this geezer knows exactly what he's doing. I'm 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 fucking along for the ride now. Um, and it that's page twenty three. Um, it took a while to get there. You know, I will be honest. But yeah, that's when it mm-hmm. got me. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll hold my hands. Up. I I read a lot of manga, right? Yeah, and this is yeah. a whole different. Which is the opposite, the complete oh, opposite end, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You can, you know, yeah. It would, uh, but it's still, it's a, it's a really fun read. It's a really yeah. fun read. I think the tra- the train crashes for such a small part of the book is a really, really lovely bit. But also just the towards the end where the um, the plan is unveiled, should we say? Yeah. This is a lot of like gone time. I was going to say, I know you know my hatred for cosplayers, Tom. I don't yes. want. I don't want next time I meet you. I don't want you cosplaying as Blake. I'll tell you now, because I can <laughs> oh, see you with that moustache, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a good point. It's a very good point. I'm pretty close. <laughs> no, it, there's there's just some. Yeah, I don't want to say. Uh, no, I, 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 don't, I can't. I don't want to give that away. That's the problem. It's a. And if there's anything you're going to take away from this, so the fact that we're all dancing around. Dancing around the mystery, the yeah, yeah. Like this, clearly, I this. If we did, if I didn't care about the book, I would just say like, oh, it's X. But comics are very rarely a convincing mystery. Um, mm-hmm. There's very few out there that you can, that kept you guessing. You know, the obvious one is um, Watchmen, isn't it? Watchmen is a, mm-hmm. basically a mystery. The this one kept me guessing more than that. I think you know, it's it's got that Agatha Christie feel to it, isn't it? In a way, you know. Yeah, agreed. Um, Completely agree. 
Um, what about any moments that you you really liked, Simon? Anything you wanted to mention? Oh, I mean, so I was going to go through the train. Oh, but, okay, um, right. But you know what? Just generally, the fact that the um, the the growing tension of the of the yellow mark. Yeah. Like the, the how it turns up. I mean, the the first robbery is the crown jewels, right? And that, that's a little bit twee, a little bit. But from that point onwards, there's this really nice growing threat of the yellow mark and them always being two steps ahead. And I've read that sort of just slow pace, but also slow, but also fast paced storytelling. Just re- I really enjoyed. Yeah. I and mean, for those that haven't read it, they, they leave this M with a circle around it after a crime. So you, you see that before you see this villainous um, shadow character and before you see his mastermind. Um, so, and at one point there's a really lovely, well done bit where they're on a tram car and this is well yes. done in the cartoon actually, yes. where they're looking around and, and, uh, Mortimer says to Blake, he's, he's drawing it on your back. How do you get there? <laughs> yeah. No, that's really nicely done. I thought really well done that. Mm. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a, you know, it's just a nice calling card. That's all like, you might not see it for three or four pages, but then it'll come up and you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah. okay. And you just, it just keeps up the tension like a really nice way. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of, it's the. It's the aspect of um, so if we go back to go to American comics like the Riddler, for example. The yeah. thing I always enjoyed about the Riddler was he'd already worked out how Batman was going to solve the case, and then has put clues in his way. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you feel like you have this villain who's always one step ahead, and you have a real strong. It's really a calling strong... card like the Riddler has. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And just so yeah, just think about that. I really enjoyed this. That part I really enjoyed. Yeah. Good. Um, I'm going to pick one bit. I'm going to pick the. Um, the villain who we're not naming, the mastermind, when he has that sort of hypno hat on. Um, yes. <laughs> I really like that bit. Yeah, it is good. It's very good. Is it the, is it, who's the uh, Marvel villain, the ringmaster? He has a similar hat, doesn't he? You're going to say something, Rich? Oh, sorry. You fancy one of those hats in your life, Tony? That would, uh... Well, imagine the ladies I'd get with that hat, my friend. <laughs> or gentlemen, you know, he's he obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that works out, and it works, and he draws it so well as well. You know, it just yeah. it, you almost feel like you're getting a bit drawn into it as he draws it. But yeah, I, I only I can only imagine that Stan might have seen that on a hat, um, <laughs> and uh, included it in the Ringmaster in Marvel. But yeah, yeah, very good. Let's talk a little bit about where it went next. So, as you said, Rich, it got taken over, didn't it, by some other people. Um, after many years, I think they kind of there was a big jump, wasn't there? He died in I think was it eighty seven, um, and it, it didn't really restart again for a number of years, did it? I think. Yeah, I think they've got. Uh, is it uh, Van Ham? Yeah, who has done very well recognised uh, writer, isn't he in France? Yeah, did stuff on thirteen. Is that right? Yeah, my head. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah. So he. So uh, and I think actually they've been through a number of creative. Yeah. Um, partnerships uh, since then, so you know it is definitely into that. You know, you know, in a way, I suppose something like Asterix has these days as well. You know, it's you know, it's you've gone from having you know two creators to one creator to you know, no, okay, right, you know, now we're on you know completely new blood. You know, which I think tells you how either valuable uh, the French publishers think the IP is, yeah, uh, and, and and probably you know what the demand uh, is in France. Uh, for this series that you know that they do want to cre- keep uh creating these volumes and keep uh keep these characters out there yeah as i understand it they used a lot of um jacob's notes and letters that he wrote um to get ideas from you know they weren't necessarily complete outlines or stories or anything like that but they used a lot of his ideas in it and there's been a couple of little twists on the story so so as we said in 1997 jean van ham and ten uh ted benoit were given permission finally to to, to restart the franchise but in 98 um there's blake and mortimer laventure immobile by uh, didier conrad and andre juliard and it features an exchange of letters between blake and mortimer which i found a quite an interesting thing mm-hmm. um almost like the later years, you know, this sort of thing going on. And then in 2019, novelist uh, Thomas Gunzig and filmmaker Jaco van Dormiel, with art by Francois Chouten, did Le Dernier Faro, the story of Blake and Mortimer, when they were elderly. Um, and it's a ma- apparently that was a massive seller, and it was that was based on Jacob's notes. But it's almost right. like Blake and Mortimer, the wilderness years, you know. Oh, old, sure. old man Blake and Mortimer, you know, it's got that feel about it, which I really want to read now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That sounds sounds really interesting, actually. That kind of because again, we're seeing them in their prime here. Or yeah, yeah, 
Cry yeah. for um Oh yeah, we yeah. are, aren't we? Kind of yeah. I mean, heroes were like that, weren't they? In you yes. know the pages of the Eagle and you know Saturday morning, you know stories yeah. and you know black and white movies. They were, you know, they weren't all youngsters back then. Um, there's been a couple of other um, versions. Let's call it that. So the time trap was made into a radio play in 1962. Um, in 1997, we got the cartoon, which 26 episodes, 13 stories, four of which were newly written for the cartoon. Um, but the I know we've all watched the. Um, the yellow m episode and it's fairly like the book isn't it they don't really it's wander about too much pretty close it's pretty yeah. close yeah it's it's a you know what it's if if you're uncertain about whether you wanted to read this that's an easy way to see if this is your cup of tea i think so yeah very much it feels it doesn't it and it's quite nice yeah. to hear mortimer's voice somehow i don't know why i just <laughs> no uh, i agree um, I, I thought exactly the same thing frankly yeah well exactly the same thing yeah um, there's a, there's never been a film of it, although they've tried a few times. Uh, in 2010, there were um, two actors were rumoured um, to be involved in it. Um, Rich and Rich and Tom, can you guess who they were? Ooh, ooh, quite a strange mixture. I don't quite know if this is right. What um, year was this? I obviously I can do the joke, you know, Jason Moe and The Rock. But I'm assuming yeah, it's a bit <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ice tea yeah. and uh, yeah, Will Smith. Uh... <laughs> Take that out of your mouth. The um, uh, Hugh Grant. You do you know what? You're not Ooh. far off. It's Hugh Laurie was one of them. Uh, oh, Hugh Laurie. Ooh. And he was going to play Blake, according to this report I read. And Kiefer Sutherland was going to play Mortimer. Oh, God. okay. <laughs> but one Kiefer had just come off the back of the 24 at that point. You know, you think what's that all about? But maybe... saying, you could have gone. You could have gone the Fry and Laurie combination again. You could have done, couldn't you? Been, yeah, that would have yeah, been perfect. It would have been too far off the mark, frankly. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, yeah. according to Jean Van Ham, there's a three-minute version was filmed as a trial for that, but uh, it's never it's never been seen otherwise. Sure. Um, there's a game, a tabletop game by uh, Yastari Games in 2014, and uh, oh. Dargard and Anuman. Uh, Anuman Interactive did another game in 2011. Um, there's, as I say, there's this very prominent mural uh, um, on Glim, as there are elsewhere. So there's been a number of um, parodies done of it, as you can imagine. It's very parodiable. You know, I think if 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 France had their um, their version of the comic strip presents, I think they probably would have parodied it. Parodied it wouldn't parodied it, wouldn't they? You know, like we mm -hmm. had the five go mad endorse it. I think this would probably be. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Belgian uh, electronica band Telex had a song called. Colonel Orlick, ha ha ha! Colonel Orlick being one of the regular villains in it, um, on a, on an album called Neurovision. Go look that up on Spotify. I did, and it's not there. You have to find it elsewhere. Um, I know you're a big into prog, Rich. There's a prog band called Magma. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. I just said that for a joke. I don't know. Are you into <laughs> Are you into prog? I don't know. No, no. Okay, cool. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and they they got they've named an album called Konast Kos. Which is a villain, apparently, in the series. Um, and yeah, in volume 22, Orlick deals. Oh, I can't say it now, can I? Orlick deals with some experiences he's had with Blake and Morton, which is almost like a villain looking back on his life as a villain, which also sounds like a book I really want to read as well. Yeah, do you know, I, I know the one you were talking about, and I also wanted to read that as well. Yeah. Because following, following it, there's a lovely sort of like big page of all the volumes on there. And it, and I was in front, I was like, oh, there's this one. I wonder. And because you, Yes, how the story ends, you think like someone's done, but yeah, no, I, I wanted to check that one out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Le Monde, which is the big French um, newspaper, one of the big French newspapers, um, listed its books of the 20th century and named number 90 as Blake and Mortimer, believe it or not. There you go. Hmm. Um, it's definitely one of those that I think would work really well as like a radio or radio play, you know? Yeah, yeah. You could actually see it working as like a, you know, a six part radio play kind of thing. Yeah, agreed, man. Yeah, I listen. I listen to the shit out of that. It's the sort of thing you want Big Finish to do, don't you? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. No, it, it seems like a, a home run, frankly. It's like a, it's a decent story, really well for radio. Yeah, yeah. And a certain rather right wing um, France has some right wing politicians and polit political groups. Um, you 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 think we've got right wingers? We ain't compared to them, man. I've got to tell you, um, one one political party over there has their own website, and they name French books you should, French and Belgian books you should read. And uh, Blake and Mortimer is recommended, highly recommended by a um, a right wing French political party. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or bad thing, but if we can get <sighs> if we can get nutty right wingers to read it, it might might swerve them a bit around to uh, be more sensible. But there you go. Um, yeah, so 
on the whole, a successful and new read for me. I'm going to read some more, I think. Um, I, I, I know, Rich, you'll, you'll have read them all by the end of the week, so there's no point asking you. But, Tom, will you read some more, do you think? Or? Yeah, I'm going to go back over. I've got uh, the Curse of the Pyramids 1 and 2. So I'm going to go over... Uh, sorry, the Mystery of the Pyramids, sorry. I'm cool. going to go back over those, and then I might pop down to Excelsior and see what else they've got in stock. Nice work. Um, still available, Rich, aren't I? I think you, the, the, this series are mostly available, are they, or do you know? Yeah, mostly available on Senior Book. Uh, I think some they don't have quite all of them available. Some of them have sold out. Uh, but right. yeah, def- I mean, Mystery of the Great Pyramid, you know, I think that's... I think that the, the, the art started there, you know, is very similar to his... You know, that will look like, when you look at it, I think, oh, this looks like Tintin. Whereas the okay. yellow M, he's he's moved away from, mm. develops his own art style a bit more. But yeah, the, the mystery of the Great Pyramid, I think that looks a lot. You know, if you like Tintin, that's fine. Um, okay. But yeah, sort of two volumes. Yeah, mystery of the Great Pyramid is you know uh, up there with you know the the, the best stories uh, that, that Jacobs did for this series. Oh, good stuff, man. Brilliant. Good. Thank you, gentlemen. That's a good one. We're just going to have a quick chat with both of you about what you've got on going on at the moment. So, Rich, as always, thrill of the chase, my friend. Um, Blue Moon Comics with Steve Parkhouse and Charlie Adler. Don't tell eBay. What was that all about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, Blue Moon Comic, uh, short-lived series by uh, Tim Quinn. Uh, right, and, okay. Uh, and uh, Gillian Baverstock, uh, who was Enid Blyton's daughter. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> It was a sort of series put together looking basically at sort of retelling fairy tales or, you know, new stories with classic fairy tale characters. So cheap, out of copyright <laughs> uh, <laughs> characters that, that you can use. Yeah, last last dozen issues. Uh, Charlie Adlard uh, contributes uh, to a few of those and Steve Parkhouse I think, contributes to all of them. Oh, right. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Parkhouse I, doesn't uh, get enough love, man. I'll tell you that. Resident Alien <laughs> is brilliant. He's so yeah. good in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I have now finally got a full set uh, of of Blue Moon. Uh, it's it's been a, a project over over a few years, as as they often are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, series. Uh, but yeah, I definitely yeah for the. I think uh, Mario Capaldi is in there as well, uh, who uh, did a lot of work sort of mid eighties comics. Uh, and and John John Freeman will tell you the story that when. Uh, John was working for Marvel UK. He was prominent in getting artists their artwork back. Right. Uh, you know, which was not necessarily the done thing at the time. Uh, <laughs> he you know, basically got Mario Capaldi a lot of his artwork back. And then at one point, I had to ring Mario Capaldi up about something or other. And Capaldi sort of asked the phone and said, You're the man who sent me all this artwork back. <laughs> <laughs> so sort I of filled his garage with it. He's like, What have you done? I don't want all this stuff. And John's like, well, I thought I was being the good guy, which he was. Yeah, but, exactly. Know, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you try and help, but you know, there's no helping people. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So I've yeah, it's been good to uh, dig into the history of a uh, Blue Moon comic. Uh, well, a little the bit. other one I was going to ask you about, and this has got a Charlie Adlard link to it as well, is the, the X Files comics, which were bought out by a manga company. Were they? Is that right? Uh, they were. Yeah, they're called Manga Publishing. Right. Although they're not being manga, if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> although. Some- Oh, because they have a they had a Mortal Kombat a Mortal Kombat two Mortal Kombat series that they ran uh, right. and they had another one as well. Yeah, so it's just part of my long long look at you know what feels like every comic ever published in the nineties <laughs> by anybody. Um, just you know that I feel I ought to document um, because the blog is a fantastic way of doing that sort of thing because you can make yeah. those connections. You can just give everything a you know just. Um, a what do you call it like a not a link but a um oh, yeah, uh, i think i think we the corporate memory you know comics memory is a short thing these days it used to be there used to be a lot of people about who you know could talk about you know the first the first time such and such appeared in you know dc showcase or something but um that seems to be disappearing and, it, and thank god for people like you do because you're writing it all down it's available there it's, it's always coming up on my research your blog you know um, yeah and it- I mean, it's good. It's just brilliant having a blog for things like that, where it's just like, you know, if you want a whole series of something, you can sort of go to the Grand, you know, the Grand Points database, you know, and that might have, you know, a run of 10 or 20 things. But often, you know, like, you see, you know, one image here on Facebook, there might be one image on eBay. And it's yeah. just, you know, there's go for all 12. So you just have to pick away at it like a scab for about, you know, <laughs> you know, years. And by the end of it, 
you've got all of them. But without that, there's just there's just nowhere obvious. Anyway, I think. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I so, have no idea Exiles had a comic. Not at all. Not yeah, a, drawn by Adlard. Yeah. Some of it, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Not a in fact, there was an article. It was a, it was a news item on him about him drawing it when it was coming out. Um, it's like an interview. You can find, I think you can f- still find it on YouTube. You know, long before The Walking Dead or anyone really knew who he was. And he was sort of there's mm. like a, a video of him actually drawing it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's quite readable. It's quite enjoyable. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't remember where else I found Adler stuff. He he did a couple of also on the blog. Uh, he's got there are some. I think he did some comic. And he did some adverts, like in the you know those sort of big fat sort of telephone di- directory sort of you know great British comic guide sort of oh, okay. by late nineties. Yeah, uh, there are some adverts that he did in there for his local comic shop. So those are really early Adlard art. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you a link. It's all on the blog. But good man. <laughs> so, yeah, good. No, I enjoy. I enjoy looking at your blog. blog. Yeah. yeah, no, it's very good. It's a nice one to sort of pour through, and it's, it's nicely indexed on the right hand side, isn't it? So you can find stuff when you need it and stuff. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it and, is brilliant. And the other thing I want to mention, mate, is um, look at you. You're the consultant editor at Illustrator Magazine now. You're just telling me. Uh, I, I I am the consult or what one of the consulting editors, which you know, the main one you said you said yes. oh, you're the main <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah. which which wasn't a job title I gave myself. Somebody else invented that job title for me, uh, and it it does mean chief nitpicker and complaint. <laughs> really, uh, it's just you know fact checking uh, people's articles and going through and saying either I think that could be slightly better written, or actually like Jeanette Khan, I would say. Uh, was he, is he a DC editor, Marvel editor, DC yeah, editor? Yeah, uh, editor-in-chief, DC, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just, you know, you can spell Jeanette Khan wrong in a lot of ways, and people do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just one of those things, you know, when you read an article, you think, you know, you just have to think either. Sometimes I look at it and go, no, that's definitely wrong. Or you think, that's the sort of thing that people get wrong a lot. I'll better just look it up. Right. Uh, because often, you know, when you're writing stuff, you know, you can't see the woods of the trees, you know, you just... Yeah. Right, I mean, you need another pair of eyes to look at it and go, no, hang on, they, you know, the, the whole story is correct, but actually you've spoken, you know, Khan is actually, she's not the wrath of Khan, you know, she's the wrath of Jeanette Khan, and, that, and it's spelled different. Yeah, I have, so, to, I have to print stuff out. That's the only way I do it, to spot mistakes. Yeah. I actually print it out these days and read it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I would, oh, yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, so, uh, yeah, so I'm proofreading copies of Illustrator's magazine. They're, they've got a deal with uh, Rebellion to republish and um, sort of, Things like command, not commando, but you know the sort of the the south of the border equivalent of commando, like war picture library, thriller oh, picture. Yeah. Li- they're they're going to bring out you know dozens of volumes of that, uh, and I've uh, yeah again I've, I've proofread one volume of that, and and a few arrived uh, very kindly in the post to me this week, and I I'd ordered Brian Bolland's new book, uh, and they sent me um, a few other freebies as well as a thank you. Oh, brilliant! So, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was very nice. So yeah, so it's a, you know it's a good project to be involved in. You know, they're, they're quite right too, man. Yeah, you're the one to go to, I think. Yeah, a good choice, good yeah. stuff, man. Nice work. And what about you, Tommy Guns? You got um, you're oh, I mean, tomorrow night. You're looking after tomorrow? us at the drink and draw, aren't you? That's tomorrow already. Now. I, yeah. I, I feel it's more like you're all looking after me, Frank. It's all like <laughs> uh, so I've got drink and draw tomorrow, which is do you know what? I need to I, I need to get back to doing that more regularly, frankly. Uh, this, uh, people enjoy it, don't they? It's just sort of they do enjoy it, and yeah. it's, you know, it's not so much hard to work to put on. And it's yeah, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make more of an effort to make sure that's on regularly, frankly. And that's a cool. more regular schedule for it. Um, yeah, I've got a few bits and pieces I'm working on, not particularly comic related, but just a few bits and pieces in the background, and you know, just trying to get through this crazy life. You know, trying to put the scales in the right position. You know, yeah, and cosplaying as David Seaman dressed in a Star Trek uniform, as it looked. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's a, you know, he's a premier English goalkeeper. He's a hair, a hair legend of yours, isn't he? You know, he I, that's what I'm aiming for, frankly. After I used to, I used to have a ponytail. Terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, what a, what, a, what an image. Rich, have, you, have you ever had a ponytail, Rich? No, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Yeah, you will now. No, that ship has sailed, I have to say. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, I should have done it when I had the chance, but uh, no, I'm not as a... When, like, uh, when yeah. the when the kids are grown up and they've left for university and you've retired and you're on your pension and you're researching <laughs> some nineties comics, I can yeah. see you as like you know you got one okay. of those one of those pullovers on and long hair sitting there oh, reading. Cigarillo. Yeah, that's smoking a pipe. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. So, Rich, where can we find you, mate? And where can we find your brilliant blog? 
you you can find uh, my blog at uh, boysadventurecomics.blogspot.com, which has nearly two and a half thousand posts Fuck on there now. Ooh. I think by the end of April, we'll have hit two and a half thousand. So, yeah, I've been doing it every day for six and a half years. Top work. Um, Very good. And anymore, I've got about, I, I've got in a good place with it now in terms of I've got like a big buffer the sort opposite? of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the opposite of backlog. Yeah, big, you know, I've got like 60 posts ready to go. So right. it doesn't, you know, sometimes you sort of think, oh, Christ, how, you know, I need to go on a summer holiday. Oh, my God, what am I going to do for two weeks? <laughs> uh, so, but I'm like, no, 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 I've got, you know, I've got a big buffer of stuff ready to go. And I just, you know, I just find it endlessly fascinating. Today I was looking inside and thought, oh, well, I didn't know that existed. Oh, I could link that with that and I could link that with that. Oh, yeah, that would be interesting. So, yeah, so it keeps me interested. Um so yeah, look out. Like I said, by the end of April, we'll have hit two and a half thousand posts. So look out for that, uh, or you can follow me uh, on the evil Twitter at at Rich and Chief. Good work, mate. And what about you, Mister Tom? Where can we find you? Gosh, mate? I've been hanging out more on the ACP Slack than anywhere else, frankly. Yeah, we had a chat about uh, this today, didn't we? It's a lot. It's a much friendlier and nicer and great. satisfying read. Yeah, yeah, I just prefer it generally. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, go for this chucklehead. But you know. Yeah, I'd rather see you on the Slack, frankly. <laughs> Good stuff, yeah. And um, before we go, I just want to give a little shout-out to Rob Hardingham, who um, I met up with um, last Monday, and he very kindly gifted me a spinner rack. So I have a spinner rack now. There's no pornography in it so far. I have a spinner rack <laughs> uh, in my office, which people comment on when I um, Teams message them and stuff these days. So, yeah, I'm quite proud of that. So thanks, thanks for that, Rob. Big shout-out to Rob. Um, thanks guys a brilliant subject a really different one as well so thanks for that and um, we'll keep we'll keep talking but we'll say goodbye to everyone else right now cheers guys Mm -hmm.